0: good morning church who's excited to be in the lawn because i am let's hear it i am am super pumped to kick off this series this morning but before i do i want to highlight a couple people they don't get enough credit pastor nate's team a lot of them are under that tent right there giving us the online stream giving us this opportunity give them a hand our tech crew is awesome So as, as Nate said, I am Pastor Chase, I'm the Connections Pastor here, and I'm so glad you guys decided to come out this morning. Like he said, if you're the first-time guest trying us out for our lawn service, make sure you stop by that green tent. We've got a funny-looking guy named Kyle, he'll give you a gift from us, and he'll help you out with anything you guys need, all right? So as we talk about this series, this is called Kingdom First. And this series is all about our response as believers to the climate around us with politics and the election coming up. But before I dive in, let's pray. Bow with me. Holy Father, God, we are just so thankful we can gather here this morning as we are just, God, in your creation. I ask you to be with the message, maybe your words, not mine. May we take something from it, even myself. God, we're so grateful for all the resources and benefits we have to be able to do things like this to just promote your kingdom and your glory. Pray us all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So the first thing I want to talk about this morning as we kick off this series, this is a four-week series, and the first thing I want to talk about is this act of selflessness. So in order to talk about selflessness, we got to talk about the opposite, which is selfishness. And as we look around the political climate in our world today, whether it's on Facebook, on the news, you can tell there's just some selfishness undertones in there. And actually, sometimes it's not even an undertone. Let me give you an example. There's a political slogan from years ago that went like this. America needs a champion, and it should be me. I don't know how much more selfish we can get than that. But as we talk about our response as believers... I guess I need to address the culture. Because our culture is kind of turned into some self-absorbed selfishness with our success, money, and everything. Actually, the best way I can talk about our culture today is just a small audio clip from a movie. Some of you guys might recognize the audio clip, so I'm gonna go ahead and let's let play right now. Mine. 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 Nice. Mine. Mine. Right, so Mine. who knows the movie? Finding evil that's correct. I heard all the young people and moms say it out loud. That's great. It's true because as we dive into our our world, all of a sudden we get consumed by things we just want to have. For example, as you, you look at me, you can probably go ahead and say, I like double cheeseburgers and I like ice cream. That's just who I am. But I need to even know my own limits. There's times I shouldn't say mine. I should say, okay, this is yours. All right? That's why my wife is so much smaller than me. I just eat her share too. All right? And so as we go into this series, we talk about this selfish undertone. I want to talk about someone that truly shows what selflessness looks like. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus, all right? So let me give you some hints on who this person I want to talk about for a second is. He he was a servant. He was chosen by a prolific leader, man of great faith, man of great courage, godly leader who inspired holiness, was even considered a prophet, when you look back at the Old Testament, that person was Joshua. As Joshua was chosen by Moses, as he's taking the people into the promised land, you see all these attributes. He was a great servant, man of great faith, showed great courage, even in face of adversity and selfishness from the people. Because let's be honest, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that the people of Israel, they had some selfishness to them. And they wanted things their own way. But I want to stop for a second, and I want to look at how his life ends. So Joshua chapter 24, if you're on version, you're going to find that text there on your phone app. So here we go. Joshua 24 verses 14 and 15. This is the end of his life. And this verse, we get this coffee mug kind of monogram, this quote that we all know, and it says this, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness, throw away the gods of your ancestors, worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Verse 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We all know the ending of that verse. For me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But when we look back at what Joshua said to the people, we get confused because he literally says to the people, choose this day who you're going to serve. It wasn't, hey, I serve the Lord, you should too. It was, hey, you need to make a choice. When I read that, I have to ask, why does he even ask this question? And I think it comes from this one truth. Everyone worships something. As a pastor, when I I talk to people and I hear individuals say, hey, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in anything and I I worship nothing. I, I push back on that because that's not true you worship something i'm sure i can find it talk to me about your life a little bit and i will tell you what you worship because as you look through you're going to find it whether it's money whether it's success whether it's relationships you will find what you worship because everyone worships something well maybe you should say chase why are we even asking this question of why should we live a life of selflessness because isn't living a life that's about me a little bit easier? Isn't just having self-care about me the most important thing? Isn't what's most important that I'm okay, that I'm good? Isn't what's most important is that I have happiness, that I have success? Why, why are we called to live this life of selflessness? And you know what? I don't even need to go to scripture for this one. When you look out in the world today... Do you think living the life of selfishness is going to be the way to go? As you look around, because that's what we have. We have people that have made that choice. We have groups of individuals that have made that choice. That, hey, it's all about me. What can you do for me? And obviously, that's not God or somewhere where we want to be. So why do we live this life of selflessness? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He says this, starting in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Verse 15, and he died for all, that those who live might not no longer live for themselves, but for him, for their sake, died and was raised. Verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him this no longer. Verse 17: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. And I want to talk about this because we have a battle that goes on in our lives between do we live selflessly or selfishly? And we get to make a choice on that. Well, why is there this option of selfishness? Where does that come from? And church, I want to tell you, it's something that people have battled since the beginning of time. It's idolatry. Even in the Ten Commandments, we see it. We, we see that this the battle for the human heart and what's on the throne, is it selfishness or desire or is it selflessness and wanting to be what's best for other people and help others and share what God has given us? I want to highlight verse 15 for a second. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So why are we called to live this selfless life? Well, First off, Paul gives us the why. The why is because Jesus, because we have a loving God, we serve a loving God. I know some might try to argue that we don't serve a loving God, but you can't look at Jesus and say that our God does not love. You cannot look at the example of the cross and say, Our God does not love. Because we see that our God does love and He sent Christ, and because of that, we should bear that same selfless mentality of wanting other people and what's best for them and not just us. Now, as we battle this, because church, we all battle selfishness, we all do, myself included. I want to point out three ways to identify if you have an idol that's battling God in your heart. Three ways you can identify this. Number one, the things you complain about the most, most likely will point out your idol. I'm serious. I'm sure every one of us has those moments in our marriages, in our lives, where it's like, man, I wish I had more money, and money's always the debate, money's always the topic. I can't pay the bills. We look at what bills we have and we say, all right, that's the one we're not paying. I'm sure you've had those moments. For example, my household back in the day, we just chose student loans. That's the government. We'll just take that one out, all right? All right, thank you, all right. But no, like, you know, the power bill's gotta be paid. The TV's gotta turn on, but all right, we'll take that one to the side. Maybe that's the idol. Or maybe it's success. Maybe you're so driven that you're putting in 55, 65 hours a week, even though 45 will do, and you're neglecting your family. And you're complaining about it once you go home. I can't believe I'm putting in this many hours. Maybe that's your idle success. Or maybe it's a different work point. Maybe all you can complain about is work, but that's because you want to have control and you don't have control of that situation because you're not called to have control. Maybe it's your relationship. Maybe when you get together with a group of guys or a group of ladies, it's, man, I wish my husband or wife would fill in the blank. I wish my husband or wife would do this. I wish they would do this. And all of a sudden, we have an expectation on our spouse that they should be this, but we are okay being here. And maybe the more important question to ask is, where am I with God? So number, point number one of how you can identify an idol is things we complain about. The second way you can identify the idol in your life. How you spend your time. How you spend your time. Th- this is a big one for myself and in my house because I am busy all the time. I, I don't like having time where I'm not doing something. Um, and sometimes that kind of interacts and interferes because, you know, there has to be time where I have time for my spouse because that's a healthy marriage. And luckily I'm married to a great person that reminds me of that because I will busy myself whether it be church church whether it be friendships, whether it be sports, all right? I'm just saying. Football season started. I'm glued to ESPN. I know I am, all right? Sometimes I turn that off. How you spend your time shows an idol. Maybe, you know, it is work for you. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you're spending your time with other ideas and ways to get money. And you're neglecting things that God has given you that's important. The third way to identify an idol in your life is how you spend money. How you spend your money will also identify if you have an idol. I've always said this, that you know I don't think God is going to bless me with hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars because I think God knows where my weaknesses are. Because if I got blessed with that, I think the first thing I might buy is this awesome boat. That's just who I am. Some of you guys are way more disciplined and God's like, hey, I will shower money on them because I I know they're self-disciplined. That's awesome. He knows me. He knows I'll have a huge truck pulling a boat and two jet skis behind it. That's just who I am. I get it. I love fun. Maybe once I get older a little bit, get some more maturity in me, I will understand that that's not the way to do it. But no, how do you spend your money? Because it might identify an idol. for example, Megan and I are currently moving from her house to Washington to a house we just got in Germantown Hills. Sorry, Metamora people. And, and as we're doing that, we have different priorities on what's important to buy. I walk into the new place. I'm like, mm, all right, I know what I need. She walks in, she goes in the guest bathroom and says, man, we need to make sure the toilet paper dispenser matches the knobs on the counter. And I'm looking at that going, I do not care. I look out in the living room because, hey, I think a lazy boy would look really good right there. That's just, you know, that's how we're, we're, we're wired differently. But how you spend your money might show an idol that you might have. Church, do you understand and do you know that charitable giving has dropped consecutively over the last three years, according to PBS? The last three years, charitable giving has gone down. And I I hear what you might be saying. Well, wait, so Pastor Chase is up there, and he's just saying, we can't have nice things. That is not what I'm saying. Don't put words in my mouth. What I'm saying is this. Luke chapter 17, verse 33, words from Jesus. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. What I'm saying is we got to be careful because there are good things in life that it's okay to have some material things. I'm not up here saying that you should only have one set of clothes that you wear every single day and you give all your money away. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, as we invest in our lives and we invest in our relationships and we have financial resources that God has given us. Are we being disciplined? Are we being selfless? Because there are people out there that need you. Church, do you know that? There are people out there that need you. We are fortunate to support some of the greatest, greatest missions in our Peoria area, whether it be Dream Center, Peoria Rescue Ministries, Southside Mission, Midwest Food Bank. Those are places that we love and we support and we try to get you guys to help and support those too because they are truly meeting a need of, for people to have a need and then also sharing the gospel along the way. Because the greatest need that we have, if we truly want to live a life of selflessness, is we need Christ. Because church, when we have Christ, we know how to emulate selflessness. After all, it was him that took it to the cross. And why did he take it to the cross? He took it to the cross because he loved each of us deeply. Because he saw us as a creation of God that is truly loved and saw us facing a problem, that is sin, and said, I'm doing this. God said, I'm sending my son. E- even though you know, the night before us, you see the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane in the book of John, when, when Jesus looks up and says, Father, if you be your will, take this cup from me. If there's any other way, take this cup from me. But your will be done. He was sold out for the mission of I'm dying for these people. Church, what's the last thing that we have sacrificed for? Because, like I told you, it's not about we can't have nice things. It's not about that we can't have some good things in our life. But if we're not living a selfless life of giving out what we should be, helping others, we've missed the point. We've missed the boat. And maybe you're in the crowd this morning and maybe you're like, you know what? I'm not a believer. I don't believe in this Jesus guy. I don't even know who God is. I will tell you right now, right now, this message really probably isn't for you. But let me tell you something. The God I believe in, the God that I love and hold dear, has been there for me in every part of my life, no matter what I've faced. And if you're here and you've never heard that before and you don't believe in this God, I want you to hear from me as someone that, you know what, really didn't want to do this thing called church back in the day. When I was younger and in my teens, I didn't want this. I'll tell you right now, it wasn't my dream and ambition to be a pastor. I don't know how many people when they're 14 or 15 are like, man, that's what I want to do with my life. But God found me. And you know what, I don't regret that any day of the week. So if you're here and you're like, I don't know who he is, I just want to challenge you with this. Give it a chance. Give it a chance. If you've never prayed before, just say, you know what? Hey, God, if you are real, if you want me, show me. Talk to me. And I promise you, you might be surprised with how much lack of disappointment might come your way. It's not easy to do this life. It's not easy to be a Christ follower. But the great thing about it is you're going to be loved. You don't have to ever worry about not being loved because God doesn't stop loving you, doesn't stop loving me no matter even when I fail. So yes, we are called to live selflessly. And so sometimes that means making sure that we are smart about our money, making sure that we are giving him priority and him praise. And yes, it means making sure that good things in our life don't become God things. Because church, you might realize the idol you have It's not just a good thing. It's become something that's taking the spot of God. Whether it's money, success, career, whatever it may be. And as we're in this political climate today, when you look at Facebook, when you look at social media, I'm telling you right now, we could use a little bit more selflessness in this world. We could use a little bit more people out there saying, you know what, let me help them out. Let me do something for that group of people. Because church, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care whether you're Democrat, I don't care whether you're Republican, Independent, Green Party, Smurf Party, I do not care. I do not care. God transcends party lines. The other lines he transcends, I don't care if you're white, black, red, yellow, green, blue, orange, have no care. God transcends that so much so that he sent his done to die, son to die for all people. The one verse most of us in this room, or in this room, out here in God's creation know is this. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that all who come to know him might not perish but have eternal life. So hear me on my last point. Everyone is just as valuable as you are. Because that's the problem when we get too selfish. When we get too selfish, we start looking at other people and we think, oh man, if they only got my point of view, if they only knew what I believed in. Let me speak a little bit more boldly on this. I don't care what your economic plan is, I don't care what your social welfare system is, I don't care for how you think we can fix Social Security. If God and his kingdom doesn't come first, we've missed the point. Because guess what? When we put God first, that tells us how our policy should be. When we put God first, that tells us what we should be convicted by. Not some individual, not some person, not some platform, not some agenda. What tells us what me and my house believe in is right here. And here... And those two things come here. So how do we do that? How do we start living this more selfless life? Let me give you a couple ways to do that. Number one, it starts with prayer. Prayer is so underrated. We need to start talking to God more often as a church first. Before we start expecting the world to talk to God, let the church start talking to God. We need to do that first. First. The second thing we need to do is we need to say, hey, I need to have people around me that believe in me, that encourage me, that build me up. And you know how you do that? Life groups at this place, we're all about life groups at Great Oaks because we believe in doing life together. That's called community. And we have an opportunity for you to join those today. Make sure you stop at that green tent talk to us because we love life groups. A group of people just as weird as you having fun conversations. The next way, is just realizing that my house, we're gonna serve the Lord, and that includes my kids, and I want them to train up the way they should go, being selfless like Christ, and he died on the cross for us. And I want my kids to know that 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 is the Lord that we serve, a God that loves, and a God that gave everything up because he loved me, because he loved us, and that's why we live a selfless life.